Passage Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. It's getting hot in here, so hot, so take off all your clothes. I am getting so hot. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> all right, I'm going straight into it. Episode 286. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Edge Radio, everybody. Kurt oh, has Aaron. lost his mind. The heat is getting to him, and he is having seizures. I, I am uh, delirious, although not delirious enough to forget our partner's Mega Wear Keel Guard. Protect against abrasive sand, rocks, concrete ramps, and oyster beds. Eliminate costly repairs. The only do-it-yourself Keel Guard Protective brought to you from MegaWare Keel Guard. Good to be back, Kurt. We're rocking and rolling today. Another packed episode. Let's just keep cruising. What do you say? We got it. Hey, look, we have a really cool tip coming up on the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. Stay tuned. Alrighty, Bass Edge Nation, this ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip is going to be a little special. We chat a lot about tackle boxes, but today we're going to talk about our snackle boxes. That's right, we've got Mark Rose on the line. Mark, what is your favorite way to use Country Bob's sauces and seasonings? Well, it sounds crazy, but on green beans. Tell me a little bit about Country Bob sauces on green beans. Is well, it a bowl bean, a fried bean? Give me some juice because I need to put this on my summer platter when I'm cooking my steaks outside here in the hot sun of August. Well, we serve green beans. We heat them up on the stove and you just put them on your plate and it's just like you put a little salt and pepper on them. That's about it. Well, you slap a little Country Bob's all-purpose sauce on top of your green beans and look out. You've just created a little mini casserole, so to speak. I mean, it's awesome. Brings your green beans to life and just adds a little flavor to your meal. That's a great tip. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Certainly one I'm going to try. It's also great on every meat that you can possibly eat. I mean, every one of them except fish. I love it. That's great to hear. I appreciate you sharing that with Bass Edge Nation. That is your protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with Mark Rose. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine Products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. 
glad to be back. It has not gotten any cooler since the last time we talked. <laughs> no, it has not. Nor has it rained much in South Texas, but uh, either here nor there. What it has done is rain down some Bass Angler magazine straight from Mark Lesane. That's right, man. I'm super excited to announce that Bass Edge Nation can send in listener questions or even tips they want us to share over the airwaves for their other Bass Edge listeners. And we are going to pick two winners to receive free subscriptions one year free subscriptions to Bass Angler Magazine, courtesy of Mark Lesane. Mark, big shout out to you. Thank you. Bass Edge Nation, take action. Send in to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send in some tips. Give us some questions. We're going to pick two winners between August 15th and August 31st to receive one-year subscriptions of Bass Angler Magazine. That's right. Bass Angler Magazine. No other publication has more information out there. It is like a seasonal how to guide for catching bass aaron that's pretty awesome that is pretty awesome and again shout out to mark for doing that as we've mentioned numerous times he has been a partner from day one through and through same vision great guy great angler and getting it done out there to help us put more fish in the boat so hats off to him that's exactly right make sure to remind all the listeners that they can buy it at tackle warehouse fisherman's warehouse bass pro cabela's west marine barnes and noble they are everywhere easily log on to BassAnglerMag.com. And you can use promo code RADIO, that's capital R-A-D-O, all caps, and get the entire year for under 20 bucks. But hey, Aaron, we have another fantastic guest on the show today. Man, we are just cutting them out. The last couple guests have been fantastic. And another one right here. We've got the All-American Champ coming up. This is Forest Wood Cup champion, Justin Atkins. I'm Fletcher Shrek, Bassmaster Elite Series Angler. This is FLW Tour Pro, Cody Meyer. I'm BASS Elite Pro, Odd Defoe. This is FLW Tour Champion, JT Kenny. This is Bassmaster Angler, Trey Saldane. Stay right here. More Bass Edge Radio is coming up. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This episode's featured angler is just now making his national fishing debut at the FLW Cup. He is the 2018 FLW All-American Champion. Welcome to the show, Bozier City's own Nick LeBrun. Great to have you on the show, Nick. Hey, guys. Great to be here, man. I really appreciate y'all having me. Well, I'm sure it will never get old hearing that title of the All-American. That's something that cannot be taken away from you. And certainly, if you would, tell us kind of what that has meant to you, Nick. Man, uh, amazing, awesome title. Always great to hear that. You know, it probably will never get old. What it means to me, it just means everything. Um, you don't really realize how many people support you and stand behind you and root you on until you win something like that at home. And um, by 
by far that's been the biggest win and highlight of my career so far. And so to do that right here at home where a lot of my friends and family could be a part of that, that just meant everything to me. That was very, very special, very important. Well, certainly the All-American is no joke. I mean, it pits the greatest weekend anglers in the game out all together in an environment where they are trying to knock the door down to make their own move into their professional fishing or just be able to claim that title. This event was held at Cross Lake, right near your hometown. You know, you're kind of from that Bossier City, Shreveport area, Cross Lake, right there outside of Shreveport. You hear a lot about local jinx, get maybe sometimes too much practicing because you live so close. You've got all these other anglers coming from out of town and many states away to come compete at the All-American. Nick, how did you overcome that local jinx? Well, you know, Kurt, I think the main thing I did is I just embraced it. We all hear the, the local jinx and how that can be a, a real burden and people never win at home. Well, I kind of blocked all that out and said, you know, the way I'm going to approach this event is there's probably a few things that in my heart I know that I need to be doing the win, but it's not going to hurt me to be out there a little extra and figure out maybe plan, you know, C and D. So I think what I did was is I approached the event with an open mind knowing that, hey, I probably need to be doing this to win it, but I used the other a lot of time that I had to really maybe find some different areas and just really get dialed in on those few techniques that I really believed in. You know, no doubt that um, where I mainly fish is Toledo Bend and Sam Rayburn, and to compete with those guys, you got to stay down there a lot, especially when right. you live two hours away like me. So people will say, "Y'all, yeah, Cross Lake, you live right there," but I literally fish Cross Lake maybe twice a year before the All-American just because I tried to put all my eggs down in the Rayburn Toledo basket but when the All-American was announced and once I I realized I qualified and, and by the way a lot of people don't realize this but at the BFL Regional the October before, I tied for sixth place. No and way. My, yeah, and I had the largest stringer of the tournament. That was a tiebreaker, so I barely made it to Cross Lake. That's a pretty cool fact there. But once I knew that I was going to qualify, you know, I live about 10 minutes from the lake and um, just really started going out there and trying to find where the big ones live and trying to get some areas that I could just spend a couple hours a day and know that I'd be around the big ones. And so, um, you know, living locally, I think that. That was what the key deal was finding the right areas and then dialing in the correct patterns. But uh, as far as the jinx part, you know, I, I kind of just uh, said nonsense to that and, and sure. uh, use that to my advantage and just kind of embraced being local because, you know, on a shallow cypress tree lake, there's something to be said about that. And growing up around that, I grew up on Caddo Lake and that's another shallow cypress tree lake. And, you know, I always joke with people and say, hey, you know, uh, I don't like fishing trees. And I and that's true. <laughs> my, my family and friends that are real close to me know that's true, right. but I still know how. Sure, and uh, sure. growing up in that environment was definitely a big help getting ready for this All-American. And I think when you live a few miles away from a lake like that, you know, you just have a little bit different mindset than if you were from, you know, Lake Erie, where there's not any cypress trees. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, going back to the field, 
I laughed back when that, you know, I was getting ready for the event because we all have, you know, good friends and family that they support us to the end. And man, they're always involved and cheering you on. But, you know, they may not be a, a, a true hardcore bass tournament angler. So they may not really get the nuts and bolts of it. So a lot of my friends would say, well, man, how many people are in this tournament? Right. I'd say, oh, man, that's, you know, I think there's 50. Oh, well, man, you got this. No big deal. You know, this only, <laughs> didn't you fish one the other day that had 200? And I said, yeah, man, you know, you really don't understand that it's the right 50. You know, <laughs> yeah. these guys that qualify for the All-American, I mean, they're a, a scary crew for sure. Right. And um, people that may not understand the behind the scenes to it may see 50 boats as, uh, oh, well, you know, that's about like a club tournament. But this is uh, not your average group of guys and that's another thing i want to add to what it meant to me is you know to win amongst that crowd i mean randy deaver roger fitzpatrick guys like that i mean yeah, you had some lo- other locals there. that were in the field that were vying for the win i'm from virginia and chris daves was you know in the all-american and he's made the all-american several times i mean these guys that make this show are not just you know guys that showed up at a bfl and you know long road around some long road to get there to catch a few yeah i mean these guys are like you said earlier they are really really good and know their stuff and when you take them out of their local environment they know how to catch them in other environments too because they've been around the block that's right so for me to to win amongst that field i mean aside from it being the all-american and the prize and all that i mean because you know at, at heart i'm a competitor just like we all are and you know to take some of those guys down it just Man, it just really was special to me and uh, just really humbled to come out on top against so many great anglers. Well, Nick, let's jump knee-deep off into kind of your pattern. You know, you targeted cypress trees, and I know you you know, you know, speak that you don't necessarily, that's not your favorite way to fish, but you know how. And I think part of that was, you know, using shallow running crankbaits for a good portion of your wade success, I guess, that put you in that Correct. position. But what differentiated you from the other anglers that fished a similar pattern? Well, I think it mainly was the bait you know i wasn't using a variety of crankbaits i was using one bait and um, that was a six sense movement adx that bait i figured out about a month before the tournament that uh, they would bite that on that lake and and that's a bait that i have a lot of confidence in all over the country and so when i figured out that wow this bait will catch big post-spawn females on that lake at that point i said hey i'm going to commit to it and try to get real dialed in and from that point it was trying to figure out you know uh, what colors they wanted the best in the event i actually caught most of the fish on the bluegill spawn that's a new color that they had out just kind of a darker bluegill color and the second part of that was the presentation you can't just approach a a cypress tree lake like that with a crankbait and just expect to just cast it by the tree and reel it in and oh you'll catch a six pounder what you had to do was figure out how to get that bait to deflect off that tree to trigger those big ones and for maybe those that have not fished a cypress lake before, you have all of these knobbies and knees that come up right around the base. Yeah. So we're not just talking about the base of the tree. We're talking about all of the knees that come up in the water as well. Is that correct? Yes. It's not like a dock piling. You know, it's uh, pretty treacherous under there. And sometimes even if a tree looks pretty smooth and rounded, I mean, under the water is a total different story. And um, getting dialed in, you really got to get confidence and figure out the, the right angles and the right cast distance to get that bait to deflect. And one key that may not have been as obvious to the naked eye is 
you know, I was pitching the bait kind of underhand. I wasn't casting it a whole lot, but the reason I would do that is because I knew that that bait couldn't go too far past the tree and it couldn't go too close to the tree either. With a lot of the trees, you had to get just the right proximity with your boat and then make the perfect length of a cast. And you had to kind of get that bait running and, and working and hunting on the descent. And if it would deflect while it was on that descent, a lot of times that would trigger that big female to just kind of swipe at it and she'd get hooked. So um, there was maybe a few other guys that were, you know, quote, throwing a crankbait, but I really don't think that anybody else in the whole field was throwing the movement bait, and I really don't think anybody else was getting us hung up as much as me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, fishing like that, you know, that movement bait deflects really good, but you're still going to get hung up, I mean, 50 times a day, and you got to know that going in. You can't let that spin you out. So were you just taking the crank bait of the colors that you mentioned there directly out of the box? Were you making any modifications, filing the bill, changing hooks, or is it straight up out of the box? Straight up out of the box. Um, for this tournament, the cypress trees and the wood really don't wreak a lot of havoc to you. Uh, there have been times where that bait, if I'm fishing around a rock, like at Grand or somewhere, you know, I will change out the factory hooks after a while and, you know, put on some size two hay to boost around bend, something like that. But, um, but yeah, for a cross lake, it was just out of the box and tied on get after it cross is obviously a really shallow fishery and the water temps were already high anglers can go out right now you know in in august and really fish some of these same types of patterns what do you think it is that differentiates the deflection is it a wider wobble that's a little bit better to pull through these types of trees and these knees that you're talking about and what is the difference between say a wide wobble or a tight wobble crankbait in this situation also talking maybe a little bit more about depth we talk about deflecting, you know, depth is a real big key, you know, a difference between maybe a cypress tree that's sitting in two foot versus a cypress tree that might be sitting in five or six feet. Do you feel like it's really important to change baits up when you're looking at these different types of scenarios? And how do you approach that for summertime fishing to continue to have that success? Even today, if you went to Cross Lake. Well, for me, Kurt, I use a lot of visualization. So when I approach an area or approach a big single cypress tree, if I visualize a fish that's there, you know, like back in All-American, I knew that these females are kind of laying in the mud um, here in Louisiana when it gets real hot. These fish are a lot like dogs. You ever see an old junkyard dog dig out a hole in the dirt and just lay there? Yeah. You know, um, I think these big fish do the same thing. And so I say, okay, well, if there is a three-plus pounder on this tree, she's going to be toward the bottom, kind of laying in the silt. And if I'm going to trigger this fish, she's going to have to come up. She's not going to really get triggered just moving to the side or going down and getting a bait that's dredging through the sand or anything. So I think when you look at deflection and triggering a bass on these trees, you've got to visualize a fish coming up at like, you know, maybe a 45 degree angle. And uh, they're not going to want to get triggered looking down and sucking something below them. So I think choosing the right depth, you know, if you've got a tree that's in three foot of water, you know, my bait, I probably want to dive a good two foot because I think that fish is going to be kind of down in those roots, in the mud, in the sand. And so the ADX, you know, it'll dive about two foot on a really long cast. So that's perfect for the All-American. And I do think the wide wobble of the ADX is the deal. I would kind of compare it to if a bait is running real, real tight and kind of just a soft straight line, mm-hmm. then 
if those hooks, if they're on paths to kind of hit something, a lot of times and you're just going to be hung. For example, I, I don't know anybody that tries to deflect trees with a rattle trap. You know, <laughs> so I think, you know, a lot of flat-sided, you know, coffin lip crankbaits are just like a rattle trap kind of with that action. So I think having that wide wobble is key to improving your chances of kind of clinging off that tree and continuing on with the retrieve. You know, don't really know the physics or the the math behind it, but, you know, I'm just a redneck from Louisiana, so I just say, (laughs) yeah, hey, wide wobble, you know, for whatever reason, that's what they like. (laughs) Well, obviously the crankbait, you know, key to the victory there on on some really big fish. I mean, you caught some monsters on that thing. It was great to watch there on the uh, updates at FLW. But some of your other key techniques, you had to kind of move through some, like you mentioned, C and D patterns, you know, to make this whole thing work. Fishing is just a tough sport. And no matter what we think that's going to happen, it very rarely plays out how we believe it's going to happen. But you were prepared to uh, do some other techniques to capture that championship. What led you in those directions and how did you make those decisions? Sure. You know, VNM Bates is another really crucial partner of mine. And I almost feel like, you know, they didn't really get enough of the spotlight because on day one, there was a crucial fish that was a big game changer that I call a half ounce adrenaline flipping jig by VNM. And I had that paired with a VNM flat wild trailer. It's like their little creature bait, but I love that as a trailer. It gives the jig a really good glide. And so let me just kind of walk you through how that morning went of day one. I went to my primary area, had 23 plus pounds at 1030 all on the movement baits. Yeah, uh, my first fish, my first fish was an eight pounder that morning. So that kind of uh, it could be a good day. And so I had twenty three plus pounds at ten thirty, and I made the decision to just kind of get out of there, put the movement bait down, go into chill out mode a little bit, and I decided to go fish some water that you know I hadn't really fished a ton. And I picked up the V and M flipping jig and threw it on some duck blinds. The first bite I got was like a five plus pounder. And that bite, even though I was kind of halfway in the chill out mode, that five pounder cooled out of like a one something that gave me the mega bag that I had. And so that moved me up to 26.9 or whatever it was. And so even though in my mind I was kind of done for that day, but that VNM jig got me another five pounder that made a huge difference as far as going from 23 up to 26. So that was a, a little key moment there on day one on the VNM jig, you know, had that rigged on uh, just 17-pound fluoro, uh, fifth-year-old HD stunner rod, 7.6 medium heavy. And then on day two, I had another key bite on that bait, but I lost it. My line was in some kind of wire under the water around one of those blinds. And I jacked the fish and just held it for about five seconds. And it was just a giant whirlpool and the co-anglers freaking out and I couldn't do anything with it. And uh, my line ended up cutting right below the water. So I think that jig fell in some fencing that I couldn't see and uh, it was crazy. And then the jig came into play again on day three. I actually made my last call at around two o'clock clock on the jig that was on the little highlight video so aside from the vnm flipping jig paired with a vnm flat wild on day two i struggled day two i kind of got on a bad rotation i couldn't get bit very good on the movement bait for about a three-hour period and i kind of was panicking and so i went to some frog fish just selling a regular hollow body spro frog up extremely shallow i went to that and finished out my limit and that gave me about 15 pounds and then i decided okay now i've got a limit 
it. I'm just going to go back to the movement bay and swing for the fences again. And I ended up making a late day call. I caught like a heavy three that uh, called one out and gave me 16 is what I weighed in. But I kind of feel like the frog was kind of my bailout on day two when I was starting to lose traction. Went to the frog fish, caught number four and five and kind of got my mind right, you know, because we all as anglers know that there's just something about having five fish in that live well that makes you fish better. Oh, yeah. Did you expect to see giant weights like that? I mean, you got 26 pounds in your live well going to the weigh-in on day one. Are you feeling like... I'm going to blow these guys out. Or did you feel like, you know, some guys were going to catch giant bags like that throughout the event and you had to be as consistent as possible? I did not expect that at all, Kurt. Going into this, you know, Randy Deaver, the guy who finished second, he's like a brother to me. We're very close friends. And he put in a lot of work and a lot of time as well. Talking behind the scenes, me and him thought that 45 pounds, three days would be a high number. And when he was at 46 pounds after two days, I was like, wow, what lake are we on again? <laughs> it did not feel like Cross Lake at all. And I had that feeling on day one when I caught 26 pounds. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm either going to like walk home with the title. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after day one, you know, when I was on the way to check in, in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, well, I'm either going to have about an eight pound lead or there's going to be a lot of other guys that caught 20 pounds or more. And it was the latter, you know, I think there were eight bags over 20. They just crushed them. And that kind of caused me to kind of change my game plan in a way because I had a lot of stuff on the main lake that I found, but it was just kind of conservative two and a half to three pound fish, just a way to kind of survive and maybe get 14 to 16 pounds. When I saw the weights from day one, I just kind of scratched all that and abandoned that. I said, well, hey, you know, you need to stay where the big ones are and you need to be swinging the big bat and catching three pounders to get you sent home. I mean, that's crazy to say that on Cross Lake of all places, but that was true for that week. Hey, guys, it's been a great conversation so far. We're going to put our power poles down here and take a break in the action. Stay right here. We're going to be back with Nick LeBrun, the 2018 All-American Champion. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Edge Radio presented in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with FLW BFL All-American Champion Nick Brune in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. For oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for their entire product lineup. It works. Nick, I got to throw this question out to you. You know, this is probably one of the absolute most asked questions from high school, college anglers, all the way up to probably 30-somethings. That question is, you know, how do you get into make a living in professional angling? And, And you have systematically decided a way to kind of build a business and push your way to being a professional angler. Can you explain how you're working to make your dream reality for our Bass Edge Nation listeners, just so they can see the uh, creativity it really takes to take fishing to the next level and be a part working inside this industry. Sure. You know, I don't know if uh, there's really a set 
template to that, but I'll just kind of share like what my mindset has been and, and what's kind of worked for me. First thing I think of is, you know, there's a Christian artist named Matthew West, and he got a song called All In, and that's kind of what you got to do. You got to go all in, but you have to go all in with a little bit of conservativeness and a little bit of safety net there. I'm 33. And I kind of feel like I'm just now kind of really, truly fishing for a living the past couple of years. You know, growing up, I've worked a few regular corporate jobs and, and did the eight to five type thing. And there's two sides of that. You have security, you have a steady paycheck, you have benefits, you have that knowing of how things are going to go. But the downside of that is, is, well, hey, is your boss going to let you take off all the time to go fish these events that you need to be fishing? So, you know, if you're going to work for somebody, you have to make sure that all those things are there and there's at least some flexibility there. On the other hand, I transitioned, you know, in, in my early 30s to kind of doing my own thing. I started LeBrun Outdoors. It's a rep group for the outdoor industry. And I'm a manufacturer rep for several of my partners in the industry. So with that, that has has two sides too. You know, all the security goes away. You don't have a clue what you're going to make next month or for the quarter, but that freedom is there and it gives you the chance to really go all in and work for you and do things that are going to affect you directly and your family directly. Now, having said that, it took me several stepping stones and several years to really get to the point to be able to pull that trigger. You got to have the right support from your family and your, your friends and your wife. So when I say go all in, you have to go all in at the right time. That would probably be the best message I could give. But the reason I like where I'm at in my life is if I'm not at a tournament fishing it and competing in it, then I'm in a tackle shop talking about fishing and really talking about what I know naturally. Every job I had before this, I had to take some tests and study stuff right, and, right. and take sales classes and learn product and, and learn the lingo of the industry. Well, you know, now, like, I feel invincible because, I mean, I'm talking about what I really know and I didn't have to study for anything and it feels pretty cool just having the validity in a conversation that, you know, no matter what this brought up or what somebody wants to talk about, you're ready. So I think it's just all about the timing and going all in at the right time and also choosing a path that you're confident in and that you're going to feel invincible in, you know, and you're going to be passionate about and, and like what you're doing. That may be starting a rep group. It might be working for somebody in the industry. It may be inventing a product. I mean, these young guys are just so resilient and so educated. I mean, they're just going to take it and run with it. The more and more I talk about this, man, you that was great feedback. I think the biggest thing that I see, and especially with me, I know with Aaron and, you know, how he started Bass Edge Radio and, and Bass Edge, the television show back several years ago, it's creativity. You know, you've got to be your own entrepreneur. You've got to be creative. There's really no path. Just like our last interview with Mark Rose, we asked him several different questions. You know, what's the path that lead you to being on top of the mountain and the AOI champion? There really is no set determination. The biggest part of it all, you've got to be creative. You've got to just figure it out as you go, take advantage of situations and really think about how you can be entrepreneurial in this industry. That's definitely yeah. one of the biggest keys. So I totally agree. Uh, just like with a lot of things in life, you know, you can't mimic somebody else to a T, but what you can do is surround yourself with people that are doing things better than you and people that you can learn from and just take a little bitty snippet from each person and help that create your own way. You know, I think there's 
there's no really set template, and it's just about being respected. If I have a chance to speak to young people out there, be respected. I know that we all want to be successful and do good and weigh in fish, but aside from all that, you have to be respected to be successful in this industry. And so sometimes to me, it's not about you know winning this or accomplishing that, but hey, what can I do to just be respected by people? And so I would challenge people to ask themselves that same question. Yeah, that's good life advice right there. And Nick, you know, I think what your commentary there begs the question that, let's be honest, the All-American has catapulted several anglers into uh, full-time fishing careers. Do you see yourself fishing the National Trail in the short term, or do you feel you're a few years away from potentially making that move? Kind of what's your pulse right now? Well, I think it's going to be short term. Uh, I know it's going to be short term. I'm really glad that you addressed that because, you know, just a few days ago, you know, while ICAST was going on, FLW released a little small news story about the rule changes and stuff for the tour, but they didn't really release the official rules for the 19 tour. And I've been dying to know that, hey, is the All-American champion going to qualify? And I just couldn't wait any longer. So I just made a call to Bill Taylor uh, last week and said, hey, I just need to know, am I going to get the invite? And he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be in. And, you know, said that that will be in the rules for 19, just like it always has. So uh, I'm happy to announce, and I'm super excited to say that the All-American champion, which is me, I will be getting the invite and I will be accepting it. So look for me on the tour in 2019. Man, that's awesome, Nick. Congratulations on that. Happy to see you make that jump. I know it's been something that you've been working for for several years and now you've got that opportunity and really honestly it's the momentum and um, I know we're opening up the tour at the place that you're fond of. That's also got to be something you're smiling about. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thank you for that. I'm super excited and it has been a dream of mine and I didn't know how soon or how late it would be, but uh, it's just amazing what the good Lord can do for if you let him. And you're right, the first event in January of 19, I may not catch a fish but I'm going to feel real comfortable getting my butt kicked <laughs> so, you know e- even if I even if I had a terrible event I mean Sam Raven is a place I feel comfortable at and I'm going to feel at home so that's going to be real refreshing to have my tour debut at, on Sam Raven outstanding that's great I want to jump real quick into a question that I think you're perfectly suited to answer you know obviously coming through the BFLs you've also had great success in the Costa events within the FLW organization what do you see as some mistakes or corrections the BFL anglers that they make a little bit more commonly say than coastal or even national tour anglers. What would you say to a BFLer that's moving up through the ranks and sees you as the All-American champion? What are some things, you know, maybe one or two corrections that you feel like they can make to be a more consistent angler? Okay. Um, I'm going to speak from the BFL Cowboy Division and kind of be in Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma type of a guy. I think one of the things that jumps out to me initially is a lot of guys at the BFL level will just go out and jack the fish the Friday before the event. And I just hear a lot of guys saying, dude, I don't know what happened. I mean, I had about, you know, 19 pounds yesterday. <laughs> 
but then I couldn't catch them today. So, you know, that is a, an issue with some people. I'm not saying that, oh, every BFL angler does that because that's not true. But uh, I see it more and more at the BFL level than I do for guys at the coast or, or fishing, you know, bigger stuff. And to me, I mean, if you catch a fish on Friday, that's just a fish you're almost not going to catch on Saturday, nine times out of 10. Maybe in a rare spawning situation, you might, but still. I think that come Friday, the day before the event, anglers should have a little bit more sense of what's going on and what their game plan is going to be so they don't feel the need to really go out and jack them like that. And I would also recommend exact cast bass fishing to help them do that. You know, that's a little planning tool. It's a mobile app that kind of helps you pre-plan for an event and kind of put some notes down digitally to where, you know, you can reference that a lot easier during the event given tournament rules allow that. Another little thing that pops into mind as far as mid-level guys versus coaster or tour guys is their gear and their equipment. A lot of times when I see somebody that's, you know, a BFL guy and he says, you know, hey, I'm going to fish the coasters this year. A lot of times I see his rig at the service trailers a lot more than I would a more experienced multi-day coaster type guy. And a lot of that's due to conditions and rough water and stuff. But, you know, if guys Guys, if you're going to step up and, and really kind of commit to doing some bigger things, it doesn't mean go out and buy a new boat. That's not what I'm saying. But you've got to have a little checklist of stuff that, hey, you know, I'm at a little bit different level of the game. I'm paying a little bit more money to be here. And so you just got to have that mechanical checklist and that gear checklist to kind of make sure that you're not missing out on any opportunities from a controllable. Because we have enough uncontrollables dealing with the fish and the conditions and on the water type stuff. Uh, but if you break down on day one because your jack plate bolts weren't tight and, and right. some of them sheared off, well, that was a controllable. So I would say just look at your, your rig and your gear. That would be a big thing to me. That's a great advice. You know, I think a lot of times the guys that get caught up with that, you know, they're trying to just get out on the weekends, get some fishing in, maybe a little bit of fishing during the week. And it's tough for them to schedule it. You know, every time they get an opportunity, it's just, you know, hey, I got to get out on the water, got to get out on the water. But taking, you know, that extra half hour or even 20 minutes every trip just to look over everything make sure everything's good rather than just throwing it in the garage and plugging it in and driving away i think that will go a long way i think that's really really good advice nick and i tell you what we're going to need some more advice because we got our listener question segment this segment again brought to us by nitro performance bass boats we've got a question from tom ryan of st louis missouri tom asks When you approach a piece of cover and the conditions are good for topwater, do you try a quiet presentation first like a jig and then a topwater or vice versa? Okay, Tom, I think I'm going to go back to visualization on that. So if I'm approaching this super juicy laydown or log or cypress tree or whatever it is, I'm going to use some visualization to think, okay, there's probably going to be a fish here, but what's going to happen after the hook set or after the fish bites? So with that, I'm going to be looking around like, okay, Okay, is there something that a six-pounder can get tangled up in? Because they always will if there's something there. We all know that. So by thinking about that sort of stuff, I'm going to go with whatever is less intrusive and whatever is going to have the highest percentage of me getting that fish in my live well. So is a topwater bait with two size five treble hooks going to be my first choice? Probably not. If I think the fish will bite a three-quarter ounce punch weight with a five-all Hayabusa FPP, that's probably 
not going to be my choice. I'm going to want that fish to bite whatever I think, and I'm going to have the most confidence in getting him in my hands. To me, that's just not going to be a top water. Being from where I live, maybe that's my deal. But uh, me, I'm going to want like a single hook, you know, something that I can jack the fish with and boat flip him with. You know, for me, I just top water is not like a thing that I love to throw. I know how to throw it, and I'll throw it when the time is right. But, you know, I'm going to want to get that fish in the boat. To me, that's just going to be whatever is less intrusive and whatever is going to have the highest percent of getting that fish in my hands, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great answer. And a shout-out to Tom for sending in that question and getting it answered by the 2018 All-American champion. Nick, thanks so much for taking time out to respond to Tom's question there. And, Tom, remember... We need another item from you, and that is to contact us to let us know that you heard your question answered on air by Nick. And you can do that by visiting BassEdge.com. Simply click on the Claim Your Prize tab, put in your information, or shoot us an email at support at Bass Edge or contact us through any of our social media applications. That's right. And keep hitting up those social media apps, our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages. Shoot those questions to us. We've been getting a lot of questions, so we've got a lot of things to choose from. So we're getting great questions for anglers like Nick. Keep those going, man. We appreciate your support here at Bass Edge Radio. Best of luck coming up. Congratulations on qualifying for the tour, for winning the uh, All-American. But before we head out of here and head off into our closing segment, any final thoughts or, or comments for Bass Edge listeners? Uh, gee, I would just say, I would ask everybody, just kind of call them to action, to like my Facebook page, Nick LeBrun Bass Fishing. And you can follow me there with updates and uh, just anything that's going on in my career. And also, I would invite them again to check out Exact Cast Bass Fishing. Uh, that's a mobile app that's out there that can uh, help you plan for tournaments so that's all i've got guys that's great stuff nick i'm going to send you off with our final segment four last questions for you what is your go-to gas station drink and snack uh i'm gonna go with just a fountain drink coca-cola there's nothing better if you've been out in Felita Bend and a thousand degree weather and get that good old fountain drink coke and i'm gonna follow that up with like some uh just a regular original kettle chips just some plain old kettle chips i love the crunch all right awesome what is your favorite fishing lure for august it's going to vary depending on body of water, but if you said, hey, you can only fish one thing this whole entire month, I probably would have a V&M Flat Wild, Texas Rigged, Hayabusa SPP straight hook, and I would have that paired with the Elite Tungsten punch weight of some size, probably a, at least a one ounce, and you know, I'd probably find some grass to fish somewhere. That would be it. I like it. Okay, who is your favorite pro angler? Kevin Van Dam. Kevin Van Dam. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of cliche, best. but uh, I had the opportunity of meeting him one time at Bass Pro, and man, just a super legit, classy guy, and and uh, talked to me like I was, you know, one of his beer drinking buddies or something. You know, it's pretty cool to see somebody of that caliber and, and that stature just be normal. You know, that was pretty awesome. Great story. I know that you visit a lot of shops, and a lot of them are your customers. You know, you live right there, Bossier City, Shreveport area. If there's a guy that's pulling into town or around, you know, say within an hour or so of the area, where does he okay. got to go to find the biggest, best, baddest selection? Okay, I'm going to throw two out there as two different options. If you're on the I-20 corridor or even the I-49, I-30 corridor, in Bossier City, there's a place called Bayou Outdoor Supercenter. And there's a guy in the back, a good friend of mine named Big Dave. 
it's like a bunch of stuff that's hard to find, and you're going to be like, wow, I didn't think they'd have this. <laughs> well, the whole entire store is like that, guys. I mean, Big Dave does a lot of research, staying up on things in the industry, and it's just a great place. Also, one of my best customers for LeBrun Outdoors, so I appreciate that with them. And if you're in the Toledo Bend, Sam Rayburn area, I'm going to throw out a place called Keith. Toledo Bend Tackle. It's on the Texas side of the Pendleton Bridge. Passing by, it's going to look real small, but you're going to go in there and be like, whoa, there is stuff everywhere, and this guy knows how to use his space. Keith is like the guy on Toledo Bend to kind of tell anybody, hey, yeah, there's been a football jig bite and 15 foot around brush. A lot of guys are throwing this. And I mean, it's just like one of those, it's an epitome of that local hangout to go and, and uh, talk fishing and also talk with a shop owner that is real passionate about the sport and knows what's going on. So Keith. Toledo Bend Tackle, Bayou Outdoor Supercenter. Those are my two. Those sound like fun places to visit. I'm going to put them on my list. Nick, I appreciate you being with us here on Bass Edge Radio. I'll definitely be seeing you at the Cup. By the time we hear this, you could be the 2018 FLW Cup champion. We're going to be rooting you on Bass Edge Radio. We'll return right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Lots of fun having Nick on the airwaves. That was some good stuff, man. Brought in the uh, whole All-American deal. And really interesting to me, and I mentioned it in the interview, one of the most popular questions you get out there from young anglers, college anglers, is how do you become a bass pro? I mean, what is the deal? Nick making that thing happen to him. He's still a young guy in my book. He's 33. And Aaron, you know, I gave a little bit of feedback during the interview about my thought process of being an entrepreneur and being very creative is the way to make it in this industry and really carve out your own niche. What's your take on it? I think you're exactly right. I've said it many times myself, you know, being a professional at anything, I do think fishing is unique in the fact because A, it's so expensive, unlike some other sports, you know, if you're a good basketball player, right, you're not toting around a $150,000 rig and equipment, a uh, boat and everything else, and then have to And it doesn't it. pay as good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, and that's, the, and that's my point. So, to be able to maintain a professional level doesn't always necessarily equate into tournament winnings, but you have to have that ability to market yourself, to publicly speak, all of those things that we know about, but sometimes you just got to be able to survive long enough so that you can do the tour for a while to see all the different lakes, to 
get that experience, to be around all the other guys, surrounding yourself with people that know what they're doing so that hopefully some of that will rub off on you. And it's a tough sport, but I firmly believe what Nick has done by finding his niche and being able to stay passionate about it, being able to be around the sport, that has ultimately propelled him to, I think, what's hopefully for him going to be a much longer career than if somebody just said, okay, I'm going to max out all my credit cards and I'm going to make a go of this you know, for a year, and then they don't have the funds to be able to continue. Where there is a will, there is a way. There's no easy pathway to chasing a dream. It's everybody's struggle to figure out yeah. how to achieve it. And it's hard work, it's determination, and it's maybe sometimes having more passion than sense. <laughs> yeah, but I think also too, Kurt, I think it's important to understand that, you know, I remember way back in the day of Greg Hackney and James Nigemeyer, and, you know, we fished the BFL. James won the regional down on a Wachita back in the day. And by, if you can succeed at those levels, and I think those stepping stones are very important, if you're performing at the top of each of those, that is a great litmus test to say, okay, are my fundamentals, are my skills ready to go up to the next level? And then what you're able to do is start working on some of the sponsor deals and create more bandwidth to where you're not trying to figure out how to catch them on a jig. You already have that experience and focus more on some of the financial pieces. Just my yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, like you said, create your niche in the industry or in some industry that allows you to have time to chase that dream. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of chasing the dream, before we put people to sleep and they're dreaming, we've got to shut this down. So <laughs> for the entire Bass Edge crew and for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Everybody, we will see you. Hard to believe. September 1st, school's going to be in session. So I can only imagine, Kurt, what song you're going to be singing the next episode. Oh, God. So, God help us. <laughs> we're going to leave them hanging. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check us out, all of our social media and BassEdge.com. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 